Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you are listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The historical religious cosplay podcast about every episode of Doctor Who. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And who doesn't love historical religious cosplay? I mean, honestly. Yeah, seriously. Like, I would definitely take the chance to cosplay as the Abbot of Amboise if I I got a good (laughs) opportunity. Well, uh, too bad you're not the doctor then. (laughs) I I get a feeling that he might have that opportunity. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Kyle, what have you been up to? It's been a few weeks since we've recorded one of these. It has indeed. We were just talking briefly before we started recording about my tattoo that I got recently. I don't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast yet or not. Yeah, I don't think we have. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I got a tattoo of Matilda, our occasional co-host. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, she, she, she's doing fine. She's doing good. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's but, still doing good. Yeah, Kyle just loves her so much that he got a tattoo of her. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's I... super cute, as is Matilda. <laughs> I suspect she will not join us in this episode because I think she's asleep in the room beneath me. Ah, uh, okay. But but we'll see. Maybe she'll come upstairs. Yeah, sometimes if she wakes up and she sees that Kyle's not around, then she goes looking for him and, you know, <laughs> yelling for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she loves Kyle a lot, as you all have probably <laughs> noticed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been up to. What are you up to? Yeah, on my end of things, I uh, got a new PlayStation. Nice. I uh, got a PlayStation 5. So I, I started Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I, nice. I know I've talked about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order before on this podcast, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor is the sequel, um, starring my sweet poncho boy, Cal Kestis, and the best droid in all of Star Wars, BD-1. Nice. I actually have a little BD-1, life-size BD-1 uh, statue sitting on my desk right now. That I, <laughs> I think you posted that on Discord recently, didn't you? Yeah. A photo of that? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was cute. Yeah. Um, and in other news, and slightly less fun news, um, we, uh, my partner and I went and got our flu shot and COVID shot yesterday. So if I sound a little <laughs> under the weather, that's probably why. I do. I, I, I'm a little, a little sniffly, you know, as people tend to get after getting their vaccines. Uh-huh. But it's worth it. Go get your vaccines, folks. They're they're good for you and they're good for, I don't know, society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's on my list. We haven't quite managed to do it yet, but definitely need to do that soon. Yeah, I guess we we both had needle involved activities yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we we both got punctured. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of um scientific pursuits, uh, nice. that, I guess there's a chemist in, in this episode, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh shall we talk about Doctor Who? Yeah, let's do it. I was trying to think of some segue about puncturing, but I couldn't make it work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, there's, I, I had, I had nothing either. <laughs>
guys, season three, episode 24. <laughs> this is the third episode of the serial that is either known as The Massacre or The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. Yeah, so we haven't had a massacre yet, but uh, we're uh, only halfway through the serial. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess I didn't say this episode's name yet is Priest of Death. Hell yeah, Priest of Death. <laughs> Man, every one of their albums is amazing. Just metal as fuck. Banger after banger. Priest of Death. Have you heard their latest album, The Massacre? The Massacre. Their their vinyl was called the mass the Saint Bartholomew's Eve Massacre the massacre of Saint Bartholomew's Eve. I don't know if this joke is worth <laughs> it. Anyway, yes, uh, priest of death, death pre- priest, the death priest. Yes, indeed. And uh, we have reason to believe that the priest of death will be played by William Hartnell. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall the Cliftingler? Yeah, um, so the Admiral is talking to one of his, his like, fellow, I guess, leaders um, and uh, is, is talking about peace, some sort of peace plan that they're going to make, or war, either war or peace. They're going to make war or peace. Anyway, he's going to be called the Sea Beggar, and he's like, oh, I like the sound of that, the Sea Beggar. And I think I think that was something around near near the end of the episode. Some, yeah, that was that was ish. basically the end. Okay, um, excellent. Phew. <laughs> but uh, yeah, earlier in the episode, Stephen had learned of a plan to assassinate the sea beggar. Yes. Who he didn't know who that was. Yes. Now he does. Does does he? Or no, no, Nicholas. We know. Yeah, we know. So this episode picks up from the next morning. Uh, Stephen and Anne, the servant girl, are uh-huh. figuring out what to do. And the uh, very much on her way to becoming our new companion, we think. <laughs> <laughs> so Stephen wants to go see the abbot still, uh, who he thinks is the doctor because... The Abbot is played by William Hartnell. An understandable uh, confusion there. Uh-huh. Anne is telling him that if he does that, the captain of the guard and Monsieur Colbert will recognize and arrest him, which is mm-hmm. a valid concern. I think this calls for a clever disguise. It does indeed. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he rolls a quick investigation check. He ends up finding an old cloak and a hat and puts him on as a disguise. Uh, it'll do in a pinch. <laughs> I, I'm guessing does the hat have like a floppy brim on it or something that he can sort of hide his face under or? Uh, something like that. Um, okay. I know this is a... Rec- oh, we didn't, we didn't do a yeah. how'd you watch it, but I, I'm pretty sure this whole serial is, is lost, we said, so... I think yeah, uh, I think we said that in a previous episode. (laughs) And in fact, I learned that this serial is one of only, I think, like two or three or four serials of which not a single frame is known to exist. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So like 
everything that we see at all entirely is a reconstruction. Dang. Wow. <laughs> so who knows what hat he's wearing? <laughs> if you want to picture uh-huh. him in one of those like floppy cat in the hat hats, we can't prove he wasn't wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> we cut over to the French council chambers where King Charles is being advised by Admiral de Coligny, Marshal Tavan, and somebody that we haven't met yet named Toligny. Well, not well, to be hats off to confused you. with my, uh, de Coligny. Yeah, my, my floppy hats off to you, Kyle, for, for all these names. Which, and we yeah. don't need listeners to be writing to <laughs> us to let us know the correct French pronunciations. I think Kyle's doing a great job. We're going with the Doctor Who French accents. That's Which right. Are, we got... are basically English accents. Huguenots. <laughs> <laughs> so Admiral de Coligny, the sea beggar, thinks that they should ally with the Dutch and go to war with Spain. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was peace or war, but I guess kind mm-hmm. of both. <laughs> kind of both, yeah. Marshal Tavon disagrees, though. And it seems like, at first, King Charles is going to agree with Admiral de Coligny because Elizabeth of England has agreed to help. Oh, is that the uh, Elizabeth of England that we know of? The first. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not Elizabeth II and they only had the two. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, dumb question. Let's keep going. <laughs> but the king ends up kind of getting talked around to Tavan's side instead because war is really expensive. Yeah, that is true. Back in Preslan's shop, where Stephen and Anne had gone, remember, Anne doesn't want to be left there alone and doesn't really have anywhere else to go, but she doesn't want to go with Stephen to the abbot's place because she thinks they'll arrest both of them. <laughs> she, uh, she doesn't have much faith in this disguise. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what you rolled, but she had laughed for a while after you rolled that disguise check. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> now look... I'm almost certain that my friend is pretending to be the abbot. Now, he'll make sure that no harm comes to you. Oh, I can't wait for, for Stephen to be talking to the actual abbot and being uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, we both know you're the abbot. Wink. And for this abbot, who we understand is not a nice man, <laughs> to be uh-huh. like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Stephen's like, I know the person who plays the doctor told us he couldn't come to this game today, but... I think it's just because, like, the DM is waiting to keep the reveal that he's actually the doctor in disguise. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it becomes a little convoluted trying to imagine how this might work in a TTRPG. <laughs> uh-huh. I think there are limits to that particular gag. <laughs> so it takes a bit of effort, and he does have to roll a good persuasion check, but he does convince... And to come along with him. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I mean, at least we're not splitting the party, so that's good. Yeah. We cut back to the council chambers where another scene happens. Um, I think basically what happened is that Admiral de Coligny implies that King Charles is not really in charge of France. It's Charles's mother, Catherine de' Medici, the queen mother, who's like 
kind of running things behind the scenes. That's cool. Good for her. Uh huh. Gaslight gatekeep girl boss Catherine Dimitri. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen and Anne arrive at the Abbot's house, and it seems like the Abbot does not recognize Stephen. <laughs> He's just like, that good an actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> He is glad that Stephen brought back the servant girl who ran away. The abbot is going to chat with Stephen for a bit, but then Marshal Tavon arrives. So the abbot basically tells Stephen and Anne to wait outside and he'll talk to them later. And Stephen's like, yeah, buddy. Wink. <laughs> the abbot's like, uh-huh. why, why, why does this guy keep winking at me? <laughs> so they leave the room and as they leave... They overhear Tavon and the abbot discuss how Bondo the assassin is ready to go. <laughs> He's got, uh, they don't even wait for them to like be fully out of earshot before they start talking about assassins. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, of course... Stephen and Anne figure they'd better, like, sneak off and warn Nicholas and Admiral de Coligny... Yeah, that seems like a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen gets back to the Admiral's house and he warns Nicholas basically about what he just overheard, which is that the Admiral is going to be killed on his way home from the council meeting. Mm, Yeah. Well, uh, now that we know the plan, everyone's going to be okay and there's not going to be a massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Crisis averted. <laughs> get into the TARDIS and, and head out. Let's just assume it's a job well done. We, we, can, we can take the Abbot with us. I'm, uh-huh. I'm sure he'll, he'll drop this act once we're in the TARDIS. <laughs> so this, I guess this council meeting is, you know, the one that's currently taking place. And, you know, Stephen tells Nicholas the street that the assassination is supposed to happen on. And so they both rush out. We cut to the street where Bondo the assassin is set up in a window at the end of the street. So he's got like a nice clear view. He's got a rifle set up on a tripod stand. Oh shit, seriously a rifle? Yeah, it's like (laughs) the the sixteenth century version of a sniper, basically. Dang. Alright. I guess the council meeting has ended because Admiral de Coligny turns onto the street he's reading like this stack of papers as he walks and you know bondo gets all lined up and he takes the shot but as he does there's a gust of wind that blows one of de colony's papers out of his hand and he stoops to grab it and he ends up getting shot in the arm instead of fatally huh I mean, that was lucky, uh, <laughs> but uh-huh. I'm, I'm trying to imagine, like, where that sniper was aiming for for him stooping down to have switched the original target for the arm. Um, I'll, I'll assume it would have made sense if a single frame of this episode would have survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, slight spoiler for later, he seems later on to be more injured than getting shot in the arm would result in but what do i know i feel like you know you know i've watched a lot of tv where people can just get like shot or stabbed in the arm and they're fine but in real life i suspect you get shot in the arm you're not gonna be doing so good you got some like 
You got you got some uh, <laughs> veins in there. You got some blood. <laughs> uh-huh. And honestly, you get shot in the arm in the 16th century. It's probably infected. Yeah, yeah. Any any hole they put in your body uh, at this period in time is gonna get plenty of germs. Yeah. See how honest men are treated in France. You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. At the Abbot's place, Tavon is starting to get worried about the fact that they have not heard any confirmation of De Colony's assassination yet. And the, the, the sniper's like, I uh, got some good news and some bad news. <laughs> and, and, and more bad news. The good news is I hit him. The bad news is he's still alive. Even more bad news is that they haven't invented a gun yet that has more than one shot. <laughs> <laughs> the abbot's basically just like, dude, chill out. Bondo's a professional. De Colony probably just got delayed, like talking to the king after the council meeting or whatever. Yeah. But Tavon is worried that Stephen will have gotten a warning to the admiral. Abbott's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. He didn't hear anything. Don't worry about it. And then Colbert arrives and lets them both know that the assassination attempt failed. I mean, give this assassin some credit. He did hit his target. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he probably got like, you know, got a partial objective completed or something. Yeah. I mean, you get a discount on the job, but you should <laughs> probably still pay him. <laughs> uh-huh. I did think it was pretty funny that they were all concerned about Stephen getting a warning to the Admiral and turns out that the way the Admiral survived was just complete luck and had nothing to do with Stephen at all. Yeah, and now they're worried about Stephen getting a a warning to the Admiral when uh, earlier they were just sort of talking about the assassin out in the open around (laughs) Stephen. Uh Just like, yeah, anyway. Uh, Cool, cool, cool. Marshal Tavon tells Colbert to get the guards and... Then he tells the abbot how it's weird how everything that was so carefully planned has failed since the abbot arrived. Hmm, and maybe the abbot is the doctor? <laughs> That'd be a fun twist. When the guards return with Colbert, he tells the guards that the abbot is a traitor to the queen and that they should kill him. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, now we're hoping for, for uh, the doctor's sake that he's not the abbot. This is going to be kind of complicated. <laughs> uh-huh. We get a short scene where Ptolemy, the, the new guy, basically tells King Charles about the attempted assassination. And, you know, Admiral de Coligny is badly wounded. King Charles is pissed off about this. Is he pissed off that he, that he is wounded but he lived, or is he pissed off that he got shot? <laughs> uh, he's pissed off that he got shot. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the king seems sure to like the admiral. <laughs> uh-huh. 
So he There's starts a lot, to, a lot to keep track of in this episode. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, God, go ahead. He starts yelling. He calls for basically an emergency council meeting, and the queen mother quietly slips out of the back of the room. Hmm. She's mad about this for uh, the other reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Back at the admiral's house. DeColigny, Nicholas, and Stephen are all waiting for the surgeon to arrive. Nicolivan? Mm hmm. Stevelis? I think we might have said Stevelis, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, uh, that, that one feels more like the one that we ended up going with. <laughs> yeah. So Stephen is basically explaining to everyone what he knew of about the plot to kill the sea beggar. Who was like, who was talking about the plot, what they were going to do, et cetera, et cetera. And this all leads Nicholas to the realization that the abbot of Amboise was behind it all. But of course, Stephen still insists that the person that they've seen is not actually the abbot. Two people can't look exactly the same. That would be such a <laughs> wild coincidence. <laughs> That's never happened before in the history of of Earth. So certainly, you know, not without a, f- a few uh, centuries between them and uh, one of them being an ancestor of the other. <laughs> uh-huh. No! The abbot is the doctor! Now that I've seen him, I'm certain of it. He's just pretending to be the abbot. That's no, all. listen, Stephen. Interesting. I wonder, again, because this is a very missing episode, I wonder, because now it seems like maybe the doctor is the abbot. I wonder if there was some sign or or signal between them that was, you know, just a visual thing, like it might have been a wink or something that Mm -hmm. we missed out on because this is a missing episode. Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like they probably would have put something in that could be interpreted either way, maybe. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Just then, Tolny arrives and informs them all that... The abbot of Amboise has been murdered outside of his own house, and they're blaming it on the Huguenots. Well, alrighty. <laughs> um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the doctor's not dead, so that was probably not him. <laughs> Stephen's obviously very dismayed, so he <laughs> rushes like, out. That was my ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. He rushes out to see what's up, and, you know, Ptolemy also leaves to head back to the king's council meeting, this emergency council meeting. Mm -hmm. And at the council meeting, King Charles basically orders Marshal Tavon to protect Admiral de Colony's life. I'm not sure uh, that's the guy you want to be giving that job (laughs) to there, King. Uh Uh-huh. Empty the street of Catholics, station your men around his house, and mark me well. If anything further happens to him, you pay with your head. (laughs) He's going to feel very conflicted about this. (laughs) (laughs) 
Itolni and Tavan kind of bicker a little bit, but King Charles basically shouts them both down and like orders them both out of the room to do the jobs that he's given them. He kind of like stews in anger on his own for a little bit until the Queen Mother enters the chambers, Catherine de' Medici, mm-hmm. who he accuses of being behind the assassination attempt with Marshal Tavon. <laughs> well, it was certainly framed that way to us. Uh-huh. And, you know, she doesn't deny it at all. Oh, power move. She tells him that Marshal Tavon was doing his duty as Marshal of France and protecting King Charles against a dangerous enemy. Dang, all right. He says that he doesn't know why the Huguenots would want to kill him and that Admiral de Coligny is a friend. And she basically tells him that now that there's a Protestant prince in France within grasp of the throne, no Huguenot is going to give a shit about King Charles's protections anymore. Oh man. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of politicizing, a lot of politics to track in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So if I understood it correctly, I think basically what's going on is we just recently had this marriage of a Huguenot Protestant guy to, you know, the Catholic queen or princess or something. So he's now a prince and King Charles is the Catholic king. That makes sense. So if the Huguenots can like off King Charles, then maybe their prince becomes king. And this is uh, reminding me of this game called Crusader Kings 2. Or I guess, <laughs> you know, any of the Crusader Kings series, but 2 is the one that I've played a fair amount of um, where, yeah, despite the name, the Crusades only play a, quite a small part in the game. And a much larger part is setting up, yeah, these types of political alliances and marriages and who has a claim to what title and all that stuff. It's a big nice. deal back in the day. Yeah, totally. Lots of little threads you can pull to get influence in different places and Indeed, indeed. That kind of thing. So out on the street, there's a whole crowd of people gathered around the body of the abbot of Amboise. They're all shouting about how the Huguenots did it. The Huguenots shouldn't be allowed to be there in Paris. And, you know, various other anti-Huguenot sentiments. Huguenot! That's the, you know, Uh catchphrase that they're trying to get to catch on. Right. They're holding up, you know, cardboard signs that have Catholics, yes, Hugo, no, painted on it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, how do you know that they're not, listener? Can you prove (laughs) it? Do you have the missing episode? No? Then you better just take our word for it. Uh Uh-huh. We can only assume that they have these signs. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, why wouldn't you assume that? Why wouldn't that? they? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a, a guard confirming for Colbert 
that nobody saw the guards bring the body here. So, you know, the claim that the Huguenots did it seems safe. You know, the mob's going to believe that claim because nobody saw that it was the guards. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good move there. Stephen pushes his way through the crowd. He comes up to the body and, of course, thinks that it's the doctor. Yeah, that must suck. Mm-hmm. Colbert sees him and basically I mean, points... Sorry, I was going to say, I'm guessing because this is a kid, kid's show, we don't really get into it, but can you imagine, like, seeing the body of your friend there and thinking that that's actually them? And, yeah, I, I feel like this is going to lead, this would, in reality, lead, lead, some, lead to some real trauma. But being a kid's show uh, and, you know, 22-minute episodes or so, I'm guessing we're probably not going to really get into that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we don't really get much time to get into that here. Because in this moment, Colbert notices Stephen and basically points at him and shouts out to the crowd that he's the man who's responsible, that he did it, basically. It's him, that guy over there in the crappy disguise. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And, of course, the crowd immediately turns on Stephen, and he's forced to, to basically run for his life. And as he does so, the words, next, next episode, episode <laughs> Bell of Doom, appear on screen. Man, we got some, like, real Warhammer vibes here. <laughs> Between the Priest of Death and the Bell of Doom. Like, uh -huh. I've played a fair amount of Vermintide in my, t in my day. And uh, <laughs> if I didn't know better, I'd say we were going after some Skaven. <laughs> uh, Kyle, Kyle doesn't know Warhammer, but listener, if you do, you, you probably thought that was funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's interesting because, like, in this episode, I I'm sure that people in their hearts know that the doctor is not actually dead and that that wasn't actually him. But I wonder if there was some doubt or or something, or at least some concern among some yeah. kids. You know, some some parents had to tell uh, their their kids, like, no, no, it's okay. I'm sure the doctor's fine. I'm sure that wasn't him. Well, and one interesting thing, this this was the case in the Reconstruction, and as far as I understand, it was also the case in the original episode. In the credits, at the end of the episode, of course, William Hartnell's name is always the first credit, and normally it says Doctor Who, William Hartnell. Yeah, I, lo in I love this episode, his name is Doctor Who. Uh-huh. But in this episode, it actually said Abbot of Amboise, William Hartnell, and Doctor Who was not in the end credits. Oh, wow. I guess that, that's how we know it wasn't him, so it's okay. So stop crying. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Man, how wild would it be if it actually still was him, though? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, so- somehow the, the abbot picks up on the fact that there was this alien with a, a TARDIS who came to France. <laughs> uh-huh. And then from, from this point forward, it's just this <laughs> a- abbot who's pretending to be the doctor. <laughs> I mean... With how much of the serial is missing, like, how could we know for sure that that's not what happens? Well, I mean, you know, the, the <laughs> doctor can do some things that an ordinary human cannot. But, yeah, maybe it's a miracle because he is an avid. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh this was a, an interesting one, rather rather convoluted, with plots and things happening. Um, I really wonder kind of how this came across to the audience of Doctor Who, which is mostly children who just got through uh-huh. this very kind of action-adventure serial with Daleks and hopping from world to world and you know, uh, scenery chewing villains and stuff. And here we have like cloak and dagger conspiracies and plots to mm-hmm. potentially take over the kingdom and yeah. political <laughs> intrigue and bit of a bit of a shift, bit of a uh-huh. change attempted assassinations. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. All right. Um, did you have any notes on the episode? Um, no, I think my only end note was about the credits, which we already mentioned, so... Alrighty. Well, I am uh, genuinely curious to see where this goes. Uh, I hope we get to see the Doctor again in the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been a little while at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm curious if he's only either, like, wandering around... If someone's taken him prisoner, or if he's doing some like clever plotting of his own and uh, will be revealed at an opportune moment. Although that one seems a little uh, less likely given that we do know historically that we're heading toward a massacre. Um, and the doctor, like us, is anti massacre. That's generally true, yeah. He doesn't tend to like massacres. No, no. We hope that you're, you're with us there, listener. We hope that you'll join us in being anti-masker as well. Indeed. Now, I want to be clear, we are saying anti-massacre, not anti-masker. Huh, okay. <laughs> is that, is we, that, uh... we are in favor of wearing masks. Okay. I, uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to wear a mask, <laughs> feel free. Just don't massacre anyone while you're doing that. Uh-huh. Um, cool. <laughs> uh, we would like to thank our fellow anti-massacrist, Circuit23, for the awesome theme song that he made for us. You can find his uh, latest album on Bandcamp or check him out on SoundCloud. Um, thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listen to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you, so send us an email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. Um, and I think you've got our socials as well for 
whatever that's worth these days. Indeed. Um, if, if you really want to contact us, email's probably a better option at this point than socials. Yeah. Well, if you know how to reach us, do so. And we'll probably see it eventually. And we'll be grateful when we do. Indeed, um, we will. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell a friend. Possibly on socials, if you must. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you in two weeks. Come back when... We will ring the bell of doom. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye. Summon your guns. Have me arrested. But you had better have a good reason for the council and for the people. The attempted assassination of my admiral. Are you in Tehran? Do you deny, madame? No. Have a care. I do what I say. I shall send Tehran to the block. You would execute the Marshal of France for doing his duty. Duty? He's an assassin. He tried to rid you of a dangerous enemy. Sir Coligny is my friend. You, madame, are my enemy. If ever I were to. God help you!